Welcome to 18 Minutes, a podcast about books, films, and comics. My name is Alex. This week, for episode number four, I would like to discuss the earliest genre of film, and that is the Western. I say earliest because the Lumiers invented the cinema in the 1890s, mid-late 1890s, and this film, The Great Train Robbery by Edwin S. Porter, made in the U.S., was made in 1903, came out in 1903. And I don't know of any other genre that uh, was made around that time or earlier. So really the first significant film, apart from the work of, of the Lumiers, their early work, where they essentially invented the uh, medium, was a Western, an American Western, The Great Train Robbery by Edwin S. Porter, 1903. Now, as any decent film buff knows, the the man who gave the genre its shape, the sculptured Western, was, of course, the American film poet, film director, the Irish-American John Ford, the great John Ford, Ford's first film was Straight Shooting in 1917 with Harry Carey, two years after Griffith had made Birth of a Nation. His uh, best Western of that period, and really his best film of the silent era, came seven years later, his first real significant film. The Iron Horse, 1924, with George O'Brien, which was about the um, the coming of the railroad to the American landscape, especially to the American West, and its effect on pilgrims, communities, Native Americans. Uh, it's it's quite an excellent silent film, quite an excellent film, actually. That was the first uh, mature work of Ford, I think you could say. Now, six years later, in 1930, Raoul Walsh, who was Griffith's assistant director on Birth of a Nation and played the role of John Wilkes Booth, the man who assassinated Abraham Lincoln, he plays him in that film as well as being the assistant director, made uh, an impressive, sprawling Western, came out in 1930, one of the early sound films, called The Big Trail, about the Oregon Trail, the move uh, west, heading west. And it starred a very green, handsome young actor called John Wayne. Nine years later, Wayne really had stardom, this time in his early 30s, with a film by Ford called Stagecoach. And that was in 1939. So 15 years after The Iron Horse, directed by Ford, and nine years after The Big Trail by Raoul Walsh, Wayne is in Stagecoach, directed by Ford, screenplay by Dudley Nichols. And it's a fresh, alive, wonderful pulp film film. I believe it was based on a story in the Saturday Evening Post, which Ford liked, and he got Dudley Nichols to write the screenplay for it. Uh, 
and while the the characters in the film are basically stock characters you know the um the prostitute with the heart of gold the outlaw played by uh wayne who actually is a really good kid the doctor who has a drinking problem the 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 gentleman gunslinger played by uh um john carradine gentleman um gambler slash gunslinger so and the 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 prostitutes played by claire trevor these are characters that um abound in theater and film but what is wonderful is that they're treated in a very fresh way in this film and the filmmaking is what really uh, makes it alive and and wonderful to see even today, even though now it's over 80, 80 years old, this film. So uh, it's it still is fresh. The filmmaking still has, uh, has a verve to it and uh, uh, a narrative um, efficiency to it, like very well shot film. This is the film that Orson Welles watched um, for an entire month before he shot Citizen Kane. And his cinematographer, Greg Tolan, was one of Ford's principal cinematographers. I think they they worked on, they worked together on uh, The Long Voyage Home, The Grapes of Wrath. So, uh, yeah, so there's, uh, so one of the great cinematographers, Tolan, was a Ford man. And anyway, so Stagecoach is the uh, the best sound Western made up until that time. Maybe I guess you could say the best Western. It it had a lot a lot of the qualities that Iron Horse had. It may have not been as ambitious because there's something epic about the Iron Horse and its subject matter that uh, may still make it a more a more um, in terms of content a more uh, a significant film. But Stagecoach uh, is just really well executed, beautifully executed. So it's a lot of fun. And uh, I think Pauline Kael, a critic, wrote that it was the perhaps the most likable of all, of all Westerns. And certainly Wayne's performance was very likable in, in that, um, unlike some of the characters that he would eventually play, where they were deeper and more serious and more um, uh, complex. But ultimately you know, more significant, significant uh, performances because of that. But anyways, so Stagecoach is a fine film. Next we have, uh, well, there's The Oxbow Incident by William Wellman, but the next series of films, again, are for all intents and, por- all intents and purposes Ford films. My own personal favorite John Ford film, My Darling Clementine, 1946, starring Henry Fonda as Wyatt Earp, Victor Matur as Doc Holliday, um, Walter Brennan playing the part of old man a Clinton of the, the patriarch of, of, of the Clinton family. Uh, it's just, it's a beautiful, elegant, 
old-fashioned film it takes a lot of liberties with the 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 battle of the okay corral uh it didn't quite aspects of of the climactic fight scene um are are true uh the film was was true to up to a certain point when they were all shooting shooting at each other but it it took liberties. Um, Doc Holliday did not die at the Battle of the OK Corral, but he would pass away sometime later in some other part of 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 the country, shot by someone else, I believe, who had known him from some other incident previously. So, uh, and uh, so there there was there was quite a bit of Ford myth when it came to to this uh, to this story to this uh, film uh, as I said he took uh, quite a bit of artistic license with what actually happened but some act, some some aspects of the final shooting are uh, are are correct and uh, certainly some of the personalities involved are definitely correct the Earp brothers Doc Holliday the Clanton brothers etc so but again it's just a beautifully made film it's elegant and yet has a certain simplicity to it henry fonda's performance as wyatt earp uh, is absolutely heroic noble winning just watching him walk the way he carries himself as earp is something else and this is my favorite ford film because it's uh, beautiful in black and white, and uh, the whole town is essentially a theater for him to play with with this myth of this this story of of the American West. But whatever flaws it has factually, uh, I think um, it makes up for in so many other areas, and I, I think it's a great film. I. I think this is Ford's masterpiece for me. Now, after that, he made the Cavalry Trilogy. So Ford Apache, she wore a yellow ribbon, Rio Grande. This is about the U.S. Cavalry. It's a trilogy of films. They're all well-made. They're, they're robust, entertaining. He would then make Wagon Master, 1950, a film where he essentially tried to make Ben Johnson a star, but uh, I think Ben Johnson was would prove that he was better suited to being a really solid character actor, which he was. Now, other films by other people. Uh, Red River by Howard Hawks is another great Western. And John Wayne is in that. He plays a man old, older than what he was at that time, and it's an early role by Montgomery Clift. And again, and again, it's a beautifully shot, magnificent vistas, excellent black and white, strong uh, uh, narrative power to the film. The relationship of this older guy with the younger guy and their moving of cattle and, and anyways, different things that happen. But uh, I don't want to get too, de too detailed about any one story. But uh, again, it's a very fine film. 1948 also in 1948 another great film a significant film that 
some people would not classify as a Western, but I do because it takes place uh, in, in, in Mexico. The characters are very much Western. Uh, the Western lifestyle was still very much happening because this was the early 1900s when the story was supposed to be taking place at the time of uh, uh, at the time of like Mexican revolutionaries and uh, uh, it, it is Treasure of the Sierra Madre and uh, with uh, directed by the great John Houston and starring Humphrey Bogart and Houston's father, Walter Houston, and Tim Holt, who also was in My Darling Clementine. And this is another strong, tough, masculine film. Uh, I, For me, it is a Western. Um, I think technically a lot of people would, would, would call it that because of e even the, uh, the look of the film. By Western, it doesn't mean that it has to be necessarily in 1870 or 1880. It could be in the early 1900s because the West had not died out by, by that time still. And uh, a lot of the action takes place in, in Mexico. And as we would later find out and see in the works of Sam Peckinpah, who was greatly influenced by, by this film, uh, Mexico was the sort of the final chapter for the for the western you know the characters could only have their last hurrah in that in that setting anyways uh it, it's about uh hunting for treasure and gold in the sierra madre mountains and it's based on a novel by b traven who was a mysterious mysterious individual uh very few photographs of him if it was him at all was a german individual who traveled all over the world wrote in america wrote in latin america uh, was perhaps uh, a prospector himself among many other things that he did but certainly a writer and a very good and very interesting writer and uh, houston who came to film from a literary background was one of the best when it came when it came to uh, adapting uh, good stories in, into good films. He he had he certainly had a visual sense because he loved painting. He was a fan of the impressionist and post-impressionist as well as film. But he he uh, he had a great sense of literature and uh, he was a writer himself first and foremost. He cut his chops as as a writer. So um, I think he had all the requisite qualities when it came to being a quality director and he also like his father was an actor so um yes john houston's treasure of the sierra madre which is another classic so these three great films my darling clementine red river by howard hawks and treasure of sierra madre by john houston my darling clementine by john ford join Stagecoach and the Iron Horse in this first sort of fruits of, um, of, uh, of the Western genre. Uh, now, the 1940s become uh, another wonderful and interesting period for the Western. You have The Gunfighter with Gregory Peck, uh, directed by Harry King, 
Henry King, sorry, about um, a guy who would, who really wants to stop being a gunfighter. His name haunts him, his reputation haunts him. And uh, the, the drama that ensues from that. Then you have High Noon with the, uh, the very noble and stalwart Gary Cooper. Was directed by Fred Zinnemann. Came out in 1952. Cooper won his Oscar for this film about a town sheriff who is essentially the only one left to defend that town against um, against a against a group of killers basically who are out to uh, seek revenge against him. So uh, and he stands his ground, and it's uh, it's a fine film. Cooper's performance is outstanding in that. One of my favorites of of um, of all performances for the Western, and and for that time. And then in 1953, another uh, Cooper Western, Vera Cruz, 53-54, Vera Cruz, direct, with Burt Lancaster and directed by Robert Aldrich. And it's kind of a glossy but very fun Western set again in, in Mexico during uh, its revolutionary period. Uh, again, it, I think it's a film that you could say influenced uh, Sam Peckinpah later on, um, but um, not quite the serious film that he would make, but still a fun film. It's, uh, it's really... Um, a young, a young man's picture, a boy's picture regarding the West. But it's a lot of fun to see Cooper and, uh, and Lancaster draw their strong supporting performances by Charles Bronson or Ernest Borgnine. And it has a bit of an international cast. Uh, Cesar Romero and George McCready plays the, the emperor. Anyways, it's uh, set in, uh, in 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 Mexico during the uh, late eighteen nineties, early early nineteen hundreds again. Um, nineteen fifty three is also the year of Shane, and I think if I were to go back to my very early stage in life and my childhood when I was let's say eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, this was my favorite western. I, as any boy that age would, identified with the Brandon DeWild character, that little boy who idolized this stranger, this out-of-towner, Shane, who ended up helping the, uh, the farmers against uh, the, baron, the barons and the, the hired killers that they had uh, to um, intimidate them and rough them up and... and and, and essentially take their farms and stuff like that. But um, it's, it is a fine film. It, is, it has some sweet, wonderful moments in it. Like the ending moved me a lot when I was a little boy. And it still moves me. Alan Ladd saying goodbye to the little kid. Alan Ladd is Shane, the gunslayer who helped that little boy's family and the other farmers. And uh, we all know as he rides off, come back, Shane. It's just, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a fine film. It has its flaws, but um, Lad's performance, the way he looks in that 
buckskin jacket that he had, which I loved when I was a kid. I was always searching for that kind of jacket. Um, the performance of Jack Palance as the killer Wilson is absolutely excellent. Um, and it's just, it's, it remains a classic and it's up there, you know, for its time, definitely. Um, now we move to, uh, in, in a sense, John Ford's most interesting period, and that is the, the latter stages of, of his, of his career. Uh, my personal favorite, as I say, is, um, my Darling Clementine with Henry Fonda, 1946. And I have a lot of fun with Stagecoach. And I think Iron Horse is a significant silent film. And he, he made a good trilogy with his Cavalry trilogy and a good film with Wagon Master. Um, but in some senses, I think his most significant um, disturbing work were, would come in 1956 with... The Searchers, and in 1962 with The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Again, my favorite is still My Darling Clementine, but these two are outstanding films. One is in color, vast, expansive, expansive, not expensive, expansive, uh, disturbing in some ways. Uh, the other is uh, set in a town, black and white, baroque a bit claustrophobic and also disturbing in its own way the searchers is about a a wandering outlaw who comes home and uh to his um to his brother's house his um, um sister-in-law whom uh, the implication is that he had feelings for and she for him um anyways um uh, and uh he encounters his his nephews and, and nieces and um spends a bit of time with them but then sort of moves along and um when that happens they they are attacked by uh native americans and uh one of one of the girls is kidnapped and the story is essentially him with one of his nephews uh, searching for her for years until he finds her. And um, its portrayal of, um, of Native Americans in some senses is, of course, disturbing very much of its time. Although I don't think Ford was as bad, nowhere near as bad as some of the other less well-made, less important uh, uh, directors and their Western films that simply uh, portrayed um, the Native American in the uh, nonsensical and offensive and stupid way that they treated them. Um, there was more, there was more uh, uh, substance to, to Ford's work and and all because uh, i i believe in his films he always showed how um um bad things were done on all sides but 
without question, the, the Native Americans were horribly treated and crimes were committed against them. Uh, genocide, in fact. And I think if I'm, if I remember correctly, reading a, a quote by Ford that, uh, you know, um, we, we've killed hundreds of them, but when one of our, when one of our people gets killed, a soldier, someone like that, the entire army comes out. So, you know, Ford definitely loved America, loved uh, its history, loved its, what he thought was its destiny and uh, but he, he wasn't completely blind to the fact that there was a lot of myth and that a lot of injustices had taken place. At the same time that he admired, I believe, the, um, the fortitude of, of the pilgrims, of the immigrants, and, and, and what and how they, they also built this country. So there's a lot of shades, there's a lot of nuances, there's still some criticism of his work, understandable. But I think, uh, I think, especially for his time and the mindset that people had, uh, I, I think there's, there's a genuine uh, humanity from Ford towards the uh, Native Americans. So much so that uh, I believe it was the, the Navajo tribe of Utah where he shot a lot of his films, uh, made him an honorary chief of their tribe, of their nation and uh, he would see them every year for the rest of his life for the last number of years of his life and uh, they always welcomed him and pretty much no one else was allowed to shoot there because they made it Ford's country they hated the f they didn't like it if someone else would go on location to you know, to this to this part of of uh, of of Utah to shoot because they saw it as no, that's that this is our country and it's John Ford's country and he would employ them and in his films and they would make a living because of him and all kinds of things uh, that you know I've read over the years. So they had great admiration and affection and respect for him and he for them and so. Uh, so I think um, while there's still some legitimate criticism uh, to be leveled at, at some of these films for their time, but I think Ford was, uh, um, was much more humane and much more interesting in his treatment of them, of, 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 the, of, of the Native American than others. Um, so the searchers and then the man who shot Liberty, Liberty Valance were essentially... Uh, with uh, John Wayne, Lee Marvin, Jimmy Stewart. That's bad casting in the case of Jimmy Stewart. That should have required a much younger uh, person to play the part that he played. Nevertheless, Ford manages to get away with it. But Lee Marvin is good in it. Wayne is good in it. Very well shot. And it's essentially Ford admitting that a lot of the West was a myth. That it was a lie. That, um, But... As the, one of the characters says uh, at the end, uh, when there's an issue between truth and legend, print the legend. And that's what, uh, um, that's what Ford did. So, 
So it's a significant body of work from one film director, uh, The Iron Horse, Stagecoach, My Darling Clementine, The Cavalry Trilogy, The Searchers, uh, Wagon Master before The Searchers, then The Searchers, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. He would make another film after Liberty Valance and specifically about the, um, the mistreatment and the crimes against the the Cheyenne nation uh, called Cheyenne Autumn, but it um, I don't I don't talk about it because I th just think it's a bad film. I don't think Ford made a good film there. I mean his his intention was noble and moral and honorable, and he wanted to to tell a story from their from their side, and so it's serious in that sense but it's not well made i think i really think that the man who shot liberty valance was the last grand western that ford made nevertheless uh i know that other people may feel differently so by all means watch cheyenne autumn as well but that uh, uh that i think covers ford as far as far as the western films goes now the 60s, of course, were incredibly interesting because they took the Western in another direction. You have Ford making, I think, his last great one, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, in 1962. Now, in 1962, the year I was born, Sam Peckinpah made his first significant Western, Ride the High Country. Uh, which is a lovely, graceful poem to the West about two old guys, aging friends who uh, um, are have been hired to um, to take gold from from one part to another, one place to another, and make sure that the right people get it. And anyways, it's just they encounter all kinds of obstacles as well as battle each other emotionally physically but their friendship is there at the end and it's actually quite uh, quite a, a fine and lovely film in in, in its way and uh, now that was the first significant western of sam peckinpah but in 1961 you had john houston making the misfits and marlon brando making his only direct his only directed film the Misfits, written by uh, um, Arthur Miller, a fine script, and directed by John Huston with Clark Gable giving the performance of his life, and it ended up being the last performance of his life. He died sometime after that. Marilyn Monroe, her last significant film, Montgomery Clift, Eli Wallach, and it, it's really about the modern western taking place in uh rodeo country and and uh out west and it really is a fine film i i'm tempted to to say that it's my favorite john houston film along with maybe beat the devil and treasure sierra madre and asphalt jungle it's a fine film and there's a lot of interesting uh background to that film as well and the struggles making it and uh, uh, three stars of uh, Hollywood sort of nearing their end um, as 
you know, this film was being made. And it, it's sad in that sense. It's, it is along with um, The Men Who Shot Liberty Valance and Billy Wilder's Some Like It Hot. I think it is one, one of the three films that I think essentially said goodbye to old Hollywood. And so it's, uh, anyways, it's, it, it's interesting on, on a lot of level and, uh, I hope, uh, it shows up in Criterion sometime. So anyways, uh, a fine new master print would be great. Uh, very well shot film. Um, Brando did One-Eyed Jacks. He had been wanting to make a Western for some time. Um, this was in 1960 since the mid 50s he in fact had been wanting to um to make a western and originally hired sam peckinpah who was a writer back in the 50s for the screenplay then they had uh they didn't agree on the script and uh he got some other um some other writers to work on it and the original director tagged for it was Stanley Kubrick but then he and Brando didn't agree as well and so Brando just shot it himself it really is a beautiful film there's just one significant flaw in this film and that is the ending and it's a beautiful film in so many ways and performance and visually and everything but in direction but because of the ending uh, I can't say it's a great film uh, and so, uh, because it lacked that tragic dimension that I think it needed, if Brandel had stuck close to the, um, to the original story and the story of the, of the characters, which was a, a version of Pat Garrett and Bill, Billy the Kid, it would have been a great film. As it is, it's a near great film, but it, 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 it lacks that tragic dimension. So anyways, I, I without spoiling, uh, uh, spoiling too much of it but One-Eyed Jacks beautifully done by Marlon Brando who stars in it and directs it and uh, the cinematography by Charles Lang again it's a um, it really is a, a fine film especially visually now again the 60s are fascinating 1961 The Misfits and One-Eyed Jacks 1962 The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance and Ride the High Country 1965, Sam Peckinpah makes an ambitious but fail, failed film, failed at the box office, and to some degree with the critics, although it has been appreciated more and more over time. Major Dundee about, about the Civil War with Charlton Heston and Richard Harris. It, the 60s is also, of course, the emergence of Sergio Leone and the, the Italian Westerns with Clint Eastwood. The Dollars Trilogy, the best of which is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Brilliant, in, in some ways brilliant films. The soundtracks, the music by Ennio Morricone, the cinematography by Tonino Delicoli, uh, Leone's direction, uh, full of, of, of action and irony and uh, self-deprecating humor. It's just they they really are excellent films they're uh great as entertainment but um they they bring a european sensibility to the genre which i think revitalized it 
and uh, in a sense, you could say that Leona's Western um, can take place at any time, any place. It's sort of like a, a, a magical golden American West at, in Mexico where, where, where this takes place. And the actors in these films, like Clint Eastwood and Lee Van Cleef and Jean Maria Volote and uh, Eli Wallach and Klaus Kinski has a small role in, in one of the films. It's uh, just wonderful to see. And there's a bite and a humor and uh, a Baroque pleasure to all of them. And of course, he would then, and, and again, uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is, I believe, the best of, of, of the Dollars trilogy. Um, and it's, I wouldn't say it's a flawless film. It has its flaws. I think it goes on perhaps 20 minutes more than it should, but it is a very fine film. These are classics. It's a classic film. But I can't say it's a great film. But I can say that Once Upon a Time in the West is a great film. Definitely a great film. And uh, Charles Bronson uh, replaces uh, Clint Eastwood as the man with no name for all intents and purposes. Um, he's not called that, but uh, um, this similar type of character, the difference being that he, he plays a harmonica, the man with the harmonica, which is a very eerie, beautiful score by, by, by Morricone. And Henry, Henry Fond, uh, the, the noble Wyatt Earp of 1946, My Darling Clementine, is the, the badass villain Frank in this film. And he is as great a villain, maybe the greatest villain in all of film, a really fabulous Fabulous performance. Claudia Cardinale uh, brings her beauty and her performance to the film. Jason Robards and, again, a supporting cast. People like Jack Elam and Woody Strode. It's just an outstanding film. And I think 1968 for me is the year that uh, the cinema widened. The screen became bigger. And it's because of two films principally. This film by Sergio Leone, Once Upon a Time in the West, and Stanley Kubrick's 2001, A Space Odyssey. Uh, and actually, you could say a third film, um, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, the James Bond film, uh, also had a sort of an expansive visual uh, opening up aspect to it but certainly Kubrick's film and Leona's film did that in a big way I think I think the Bond film did it in a uh, in a more pop culture way but still in its own way but uh, yeah the screen became bigger it opened up uh, if you needed to if you needed to slow things down to prove a point uh, sort of brutalizing it there but uh, you know some of the, the 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 nuances of movements in Kubrick's film and the very slow buildup in Leone's film and the wide vistas and the the the, the panorama shots of the West and of the railroad station, kind of in in a way similar to the the shots in space by Kubrick and stuff. So it's just uh, it. Two fascinating films came out in that year. And so, uh, yeah. And then the following year, 1969, 
uh, Peckinpah enters, uh, well, he, he made a significant Western already and ride the high country, but in 1969, like a hurricane, he came and he really um, exploded in, in, in the uh, genre, exploded the genre. And um, about a group of outlaws heading heading to Mexico for one last good score. They get mixed up with the revolutionaries and the, the, uh, the Mexican military government and establishment there and uh, get caught in the crossfires and the conflict. Uh, it's a great film, a magnificent film. The climax of that film, the... Um, the the final uh shootout uh i believe it's referred to as the the battle of bloody porch Th those four minutes uh the kinetic energy the ballet of violence the sadness at the end uh are as beautiful as significant as stirring a four or five minutes as anything in not just in the western genre but in all of film and it's a great film so i it's up there with once upon a time in the west and any other great film of its time so sam peckinpah is in the definitely uh at the top in the pantheon for me with houston and ford and 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 leone so now what happens after the wild bunch um we have Peter Fonda's The Hired Hand, which is a very underrated, good Western, uh, which he stars in himself, directs and stars in. Warren Oates is in that, who, who was also part of The Wild Bunch. We have uh, High Plains Drifter, 1973, uh, Clint Eastwood's... Uh, own directed Western, which I, I think is, along with The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, his best Western that he was in, that he was a part of. And A Stranger Comes to Town, the town of Lago, and um, takes the people's um, um, lack of ethics and morals to task, essentially. He... he uh, they stood around, the story is that they stood around while their marshal, while their sheriff was killed by, by a group of, of bandits uh, and did nothing. And so this, um, this stranger comes in, sometime later, comes into town and uh, takes them to task. That's not, it's not explained to them that way, but the film unfolds that way you, as you see the story goes. And my favorite shot in the whole film is the very beginning where there's a, um, uh, a shimmering image of the, of, of the uh, desert, of the desert, and suddenly emerging, emerging from that shimmering desert is this lone figure on a horse riding into town and it's the uh uh clint eastwood character and again he has in this film he has no name he doesn't give his name to people and uh anyways it's 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 interesting it's 
a western and it's a ghost story at the at the same time it's in it's in my top pantheon it's i would put it in my top five or six westerns i'm surprised that it doesn't have a bigger following i think it's really a classic film it's a very fine film uh directed by by clint eastwood and the screenplay is by ernest teiteman who worked on the french connection so um yes and then we have um sam peckinpah's pat garrett and billy the kid beautiful film if peckinpah destroyed the old west and the old western with the wild bunch i think pat garrett was his way of directing of pointing to towards a, a new western um one perhaps infused with the um the spirit of rock people like bob dylan who's in the film james coburn is pat garrett chris christopherson is billy the kid it's slow and yet it's masterful there's some haunting images in this film visually it might be peck and pond's most beautiful film it's uh, elegic just like the wild bunch but in a different style it really is a ballad so uh if the wild bunch was a ballet this is a ballad and um, again, it, I think it's a great film. Um, so 1973, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. He had made um, a contemporary rodeo film as well, I guess inspired perhaps by The Misfits, which, a film that he admired, um, Junior Bonner with Steve McQueen. And there are good things in it, but if, for me it fails. And so I don't, really included in the significant westerns but it, it's 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 intriguing i would say to people that both the ballad of cable hog and junior bonner two films that he made about about the west and western characters by peck and pa were were for me failures as films but they were certainly interesting jason robards is in the ballad of cable hog and steve mcqueen is in junior bonner so are they good enough to view uh, a curiosity definitely but i would not put them on the same level as uh, as some of the best films that i've i've mentioned in this podcast and then we have the outlaw josie wales uh, another clint eastwood film uh, interesting that orson wells said that if anyone else had directed this film uh, it would be considered a classic, but because Eastwood uh, uh, directed it, it's not taken seriously. I still prefer High Plains Drifter, but this is a fine film. Well-made, definitely well-made film. And uh, John Vernon uh, co-stars Sandra Locke, and uh, it's a fine film by, by Eastwood. Um, now I would say we enter into a period where... Perhaps intentions were noble, but uh, the results were not just not quite good. Um, Walter Hill, who was a good writer and in some ways a good director, he made some good films, interesting films. My favorite is a, a Ryan O'Neill crime thriller called The Driver, which is uh, a personal favorite of mine. It's a terrific film. He also did uh, The Warriors, which came out, I believe, in 79, 80 about street kids, street gangs. Uh, he wrote this, he worked on the screenplay of uh, 
The uh, Getaway, again, a Sam Peckinpah film, The Getaway, 1972, Steve McQueen. So he, uh, very much a talented writer, director of, of the new Hollywood of the 70s and 80s, Walter Hill. Um, but he made a film which was obviously inspired by The Wild Bunch, by, by Sam Peckinpah, uh, The Long Riders, but it, it doesn't really work. Uh, there's some good things in it. Uh, I think some people may like it more than me. Other people won't like it the way I do. I kind of, I'm sort of halfway. I, I don't mind that the film was made. I'm, I'm glad to have watched it, but it doesn't, um, uh, it doesn't do it for me. I'm, uh, the last time my impression, the last time I saw it was it was too obvious trying to be like other Westerns that the guy that Hill admired, as opposed to just trying to be itself. And so uh, that's just my view. He made another one, I believe, called Southern Comfort. I haven't seen that for for a while as well now, but um, uh, I pretty much felt the same way about it as I did about The Long Riders. But other films were made, Tombstone, which was another telling of, uh, of of the Battle of the OK Corral. Uh, we have uh, a film on on Wyatt Earp, uh, starring Kevin Costner, which was not bad, better than I thought, not as good as other people thought, but better than I originally thought would be would be the uh, case. Um, there was also his Dances with Wolves that um, uh, has some, you know, well-done sentimental moments. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not really a, a fan of the film. And uh, let's see, am I forgetting? Tombstone, Wyatt Earp, Long Riders, Southern Comfort, Dances with Wolves. There's the, the Jim Yarmush, Johnny Depp film, Dead Man, which is interesting because it's so quirky, well shot in black and white. A Jim Yarmush Western is um, um, naturally going to incite curiosity, and that's what I, what I think it is. It's a, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a curious piece more than anything. I'm glad it was made, but um, it really doesn't, uh, add much, you know, to to the Western genre, I believe. Uh, the best Western made since, I think, uh, the, outlaw jo the Outlaw Josie Wales and possibly, possibly Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, the best since those two films, uh, is, I would say, um, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward... Uh, Robert Ford and uh, Dominic, I forget the, the director is from New Zealand, um, and it was shot by um, Roger Deakin, who is possibly the finest cinematographer around today. Uh, brilliant cinematographer, stunning work in in the Blade Runner film. Uh, this film and numerous other other works uh so uh please forgive me for not 
recalling the full name of the New Zealand film director who did uh, the assassin assassination of J Jesse James with Brad Pitt. It's uh, it really is a fine film, visually beautiful, takes its time to tell its story, and but it really evokes that time and it's quite faithful to decor and clothing and everything and it's a very fine film based on basically the the uh, jesse james story so um that is i think the best western since uh, the outlaw josie wales 1976 by uh clint eastwood and by the way another film by clint eastwood i should not forget unforgiven which is uh, a fine film uh well i shouldn't say fine i think it's a good picture it's it it feels a bit tired he rehashes some of the uh stereotypes and tropes of previous films including some of his own films but a lot of people liked it and i could see why it was the last um attempt at a serious western at a serious story by a grand old star of uh of the genre so yeah, Unforgiven is 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 a good film. I think some people like it a lot more than me. Some people don't like it as much as me. Um, I think it's a good film. It may grow with me even more in time. Uh, I still think that High Plains Drifter and Outlaw Josie Wales were better films than Unforgiven. Nevertheless, I'm glad he made Unforgiven, and in in some ways, it's it's his personal testament. I think. So my podcast is called 18 Minutes, and yet here I am, uh, having spent over 50 minutes on it. And I think I'll end by mentioning the five or six Westerns that I would put at the top of my list. I'll go chronological order. I'll say uh, My Darling Clementine, 1946, John Ford. 1961, One-Eyed Jacks, Marlon Brando. Um, 1966, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, Sergio Leone. 1968, Once Upon a Time in the West, Sergio Leone. 1969, The Wild Bunch, Sam Peckinpah. 1973, The Wild of um, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, Sam Peckinpah. 1973, High Plains Drifter, Clint Eastwood. And these, I, I would say, are my very top favorite Westerns. So uh, another Western that I did uh, almost forget but should mention is Ombre with Paul Newman. came out in 1967. Martin Ritt uh, directed. Frederick March is in it. Richard Boone. It's actually quite a good Western. It's based on a... Pulp story by Elmore Leonard, the crime writer, and uh, sort of a stagecoach uh, uh, scenario again, people traveling. And it's a fine film, very well executed. Actually, that might be one of the most one of the one of the most underrated westerns of of them all, if not the most underrated. It's a fine film. It's a good film. Good picture with Paul Newman. So, um, yes, so those would be the ones. And um, 
Well, thank you for listening. I hope uh, all this uh, detail uh, is interesting. And I hope uh, you, uh, you have a chance to see some of these films, if not all of them. Uh, and uh, I, I love the Western genre. And these are among, uh, among I think, the, the treasures in film. Not just uh, uh, outstanding Westerns, but I think outstanding films. So thank you very much for this by far, by far my longest podcast. I don't think I'll have a podcast as long as this anymore, but I think the Western deserved it. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you.